I am Reverend Deborah Phillips, and welcome to Discovering Spirit Within, a Spiritual Life Center podcast dedicated to helping people discover and activate their personal relationship with the divine. Good morning, Donna. Good morning, Deborah. How nice to see you. It's it's good to be with you. Uh, Reverend Donna Apodoni is with us this morning. She works at CAP Radio, and she is the host of Morning Edition and also CAP Radio Read. And we're here to talk about, well, perhaps not an exciting topic, but probably a very relevant topic. And that is, what do we do when we don't get what we want? And of course, we're specifically talking about an election that's coming up that's going to, there's going to be a lot of people who are happy and there's going to be a lot of people who are unhappy. And you have some some really good ideas about this, Donna. Uh, so take it away. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I, I find standing in the newsroom for six hours every day and taking in all of that coverage and then sometimes checking in with other news outlets when I'm not uh, at work, I find that there's just so much emotion. Probably doesn't help that there's a pandemic going on at the same time. People are, there's no middle ground on this election. And we're not going to talk about politics, but we're going to talk about how as spiritual beings, we will get through this period of time, getting into the election, getting through the inauguration, and then getting into the next four years. And I think it's important that we talk about this because it's inevitable that someone who is watching or listening to this is going to be disappointed. Not everyone is going to get what they were hoping would happen out of this election. And because it's rather contentious, it's not just, oh, my guy won or my guy lost. It's going to be very emotional in both directions. So how to meet in the middle and how we can bring out the best in each other, I think, is an important topic for us to talk about now before it happens so that we know what we're getting into and we're conscious. Yeah, so that we can be prepared. And as you were saying that, it did occur to me that there are some people who aren't particularly good winners either. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. And I don't know how you meant that, but the first person who jumped into my head was somebody who says, I won, you've lost. And it's very, you know, it gets very contentious for a different reason. And so that's a good place to start. What happens if your candidate wins? Maybe just smile to yourself. Maybe not gloat about it. Maybe not try to initiate any contention there. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. Well, I I have been because, of course, I I talk to people on who are you know all over the place as well, and so I'm watching it from that that angle, and I can just I I'm sort of seeing that coming. Yeah, and so I just had to throw that in there that you know you got to be being a good loser is one thing, being a good winner is a whole other skill. It really is, and and I'm glad you said that for personal reasons too. Because every time we have a conversation, or any time I hear any kind of conversation like this, I think, what do I have to do? What's the next thing I have to do? So I want to look a little bit more closely at that. What if my candidate wins? How will I handle that? An interesting thing happened after the 2016 election. The day after the election, I. You know, because my job is not to take any kind of sides. My job is to just kind of hold space for everybody and feel like we're all in it together, 
regardless of politics. And I thought I was doing that the day after the 2016 election. And somebody walked past my studio, a friend who I work with, walked past the studio and said, don't forget who you are. And I thought, I wonder what he means by that. And he was kind of emotional and I couldn't tell in which direction. So I just kind of took that in. Remember who you are. Okay, as an announcer, as an unbiased person, as a journalist working a newsroom, as a human, as a minister, there are a lot of choices here. Remember who I am. But I'm so glad he said that, not necessarily for delivery on air, but those words have been coming back to me for the last four years in just about everything I do. Remember who you are has nothing to do with work or even friendship. Remember who you are is such a spiritual message that he gave me that I've been working with day by day for the last four years. And maybe it's something a lot of us will be working on for the next four. Well, I... Because because we haven't been out in the world much, I have spent more time looking at Facebook and looking at Instagram. I don't post very much, but it's very interesting to see the people who are starting to realize that they do they do need to remember who they are, and watching them as their posts walk through, finding out that there's more to them. You know that that this is uncovering other layers of ourselves. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and yeah, and I quit, I quit Facebook um, during the last election, last presidential election, because I just couldn't do it. And I'm more selective of who I watch, but I'm still seeing this, you know, this, this people trying to figure it out, because we're all very confused yeah. right now. Yeah. Well, confused and, you know, we we are all going through this phase of loneliness. It has nothing to do with politics. It's the yep. concurring, concurrent uh, pandemic. But we're feeling desperate. We're feeling lonely. We're feeling disconnected on both fronts. And, yeah, there's just a lot of emotion coming out of people. Which is why we're having this conversation. Right, because, exactly. Yeah, b- because people are, are are more on edge anyway. Yeah. And then here yeah. we have this very contentious uh, uh, election coming up. So what are some ways that you think we can can maintain our spirituality through this and, um, you know, be remembering who we are, but when we're looking at the facts of whoever it is that's going to be up there next, <laughs> um, it's a fact, you know, yeah, we know and, it's going to be. Do... We know it's going to be a guy. <laughs> we know that. Um, other than that, we just really are not sure who it's going to be. We're not sure how what our personal responses will be, but we're also not sure what's going to happen in our communities, in our cities, in our neighborhoods. You know, we have to be. We have to be very. I think we have to be very um, vigilant about each other knowing who we are, not forgetting who we are, but being very vigilant about each other. A story occurred to me a couple of days ago that I hadn't heard for a long time about what happened between Germany and France after World War II. Because in World War II, of course, Germany was doing horrible things and France was resisting. And that border between the two countries was pretty brutal, apparently, at times. But sometime after that war, I don't know which side started it, 
But one country went to the other and said, you know, we never want that to happen again, and we will share a border for a long time to come, so we better figure out a way. And the other side agreed to that. And I thought, wow, if Germany and France could get together after World War II and do that, maybe there's hope for people in this country, too. Because that's all it is. They weren't trying to agree on things. They might still disagree on a lot of stuff. They weren't, they weren't saying, let's find agreement. They were saying, let's find a way to live together and not kill each other. So I think we should start there. I think people in this country should just start right there and look at the person across, well, not across the table, but, you know, look at the person across the Zoom screen, <laughs> across, you know, the other side of the street, socially distanced, and say, who is that person? I am remembering who I am. Who is this person? And how do we find a way together in this country? You know, and we used to have that. And I, I, I've, I've tried to think about it, and then I decided it's not worth the, the mental energy of how have we slid, and I think it's been so gradual, but we've slid into this partisan, you're, you know, if you don't think the way I do, then you're wrong thing. And I, you know, my parents, <laughs> back in the 50s and 60s, we lived in a very small town, and one of them registered Democratic and one Republican so that they could vote for their friends for all these little, you know, local offices and things. And so How I grew up in, uh, you're looking at the person, not, 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 you know, not, not the party, not the whatever. So some of this confuses me, but I've also just seen that we have slowly slid into this. If you don't think like I do, you're wrong and that's it. And it makes me very sad. It makes me very sad, too. I was also thinking about how my parents voted and how that was discussed in our home. I think that my father was more aware of the depth of news coverage than my mother, but they were always watching the six o'clock news and, you know, locally, nationally looking at what was going on. The thing, though, that they did, they truly believed in a secret ballot. I don't remember political conversations in my home. I remember all of my friends' parents being very socially active and politically active. In my home, I was taught that this is a secret ballot, and so mom and dad haven't even discussed with each other who they voted for. They haven't discussed the issues, and it, I never saw that as a bad thing, I, that it wasn't discussed. I saw it as two people making their own decisions and honoring the system. So it is. It's very interesting, and it's also disappointing to me, too, to see how this has gone now and how people are just wanting to be right about the whole thing. And maybe yeah. that's maybe that's part of that's a big part of this discussion. Why it is. do we I mean, feel you know, you the see need the, to the, be the right? Thing, yeah, you see the thing posted everywhere. It says, you know, is it better to be right or is it better to be happy? Because if you're working to be right all the time, you're just you're going to be fighting the world. Yeah. Yeah. I've really seen that with the people who say, if my guy doesn't win, I'm leaving the country. Yeah. And I think, well, okay, but you're just going to be angry and upset in a different country. You know? it, it doesn't change who we are. We just find a different place to use the same emotions. 
And I think that's that's that that's a brilliant connection to your whole story about remember who you are because wherever you go, there you are. So you you know, no matter what where you go, you're not going to be happy with whatever's going on if you're not happy. Exactly. I appreciate the Buckaroo Bonsai reference there too. That was that was where I first heard that phrase. Wherever you go, there you are. You know, and and. Uh, because you take your belief system with you and you take your prejudices with you, you take your, your experiences with you, you take all of that with you wherever. So removing yourself from a location doesn't, doesn't change anything. And unless you change it from within, unless you decide that, that being happy is better than being right. And then of course, right is such a, um, what is it? What's the word I'm looking for? It's right is such a, it's in the eye of the beholder. It is. The word pejorative popped into my head. I don't know if that's the right word. You're absolutely right. It's in the eye of the beholder, which means nothing, right? I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> perception is reality and perception is right or not. But maybe that's part of what we have to do. Maybe we have to look, when we're looking at that other person, in the grocery store who we can't hug. Maybe that's part of what we have to do. Maybe we have to see that God in that person, spirit in that person, so we're not looking at right or wrong. And that's what France and Germany were doing. There is no right or wrong. They're just some people with a border. And they didn't try to take away the border. They just tried to deal with it. And maybe that's what we do with our differences. It's it certainly is a lot more productive than insisting on being right or wrong. Yeah, one of my favorite um, analogies is that, well, it's not even an analogy, it's, it's a fact. You know, if you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off, I'm guessing that 99% of the time that person cut you off because they're preoccupied, not paying attention, not present. You know, it's that 1% that does it on purpose. Yes. Right? Yeah. And yeah. the rest of it, these 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 mistakes we make while driving, while everybody takes it personally, you cut me off, you know, you got in my space, and it's because it's it. Most of the time, it happens because we're just not present, and it has nothing to do with the person that cuts me off has nothing to do with me. They're in their own world, and they probably don't even know they did it half the time. And I, I think that's the same. You know, if we can learn to live with each other on the freeway, <laughs> it's like learning to live with each other on a border. It's like, we may not agree with each other, but we don't want to all die. So we have to find a way to live together. And that might sound kind of extreme, but we're in extreme times right now. We are in extreme times. I can't remember anything like this ever happening, where everything kind of comes together at the same time. And and we don't know what's going to happen. And it, we're hoping for some sort of peaceful solutions. But as long as people are angry and have something to say... They need to be heard. What do we do as spiritual people? Listen. Being right about something also, to me, equates having to say something, um, which is easy for me to say because you've given me this platform right now. <laughs> so, so that doesn't, yeah. Uh, but, but what if in a conversation with somebody about politics before or after an election, what if we didn't speak? What if we just said, I want to hear you? 
I want to hear what you're talking about, not in terms of who you're going to vote for, not in terms of a person, but tell me what's important to you. Tell me what you want to see in our community. Tell me what you want to see for your family. It's not it's not an item to vote for, but it's the kind of thing from which we vote. And getting to know somebody on a different level, taking politics out of it, but putting people back into it, may be the direction to go right now. Well, because that what that what came into my mind as you were saying that is that people feel powerless right now. And when people feel powerless, what they need is to be seen and heard. They and really need to feel heard. And so some of what's been going on, the more violent things out there, some of that, I'm guessing as people say, look at me, see me, hear me. And this is the only way I know how to get my message across. And um, yeah, I mean, and it's like I know just in a regular day, if I feel like I'm not being heard or seen, I get a little, oh, my God, you know. Um, so yeah, I do too. Yeah. And it's not even about anything in particular. You know, a lot of people who are protesting want to be heard on a particular thing. A lot of other people just want to be heard because they're frustrated. They don't know what else to do. And, and so, you know, kind of drowning and waving their hands and saying something, please help me. So why don't we? You know, why don't we? help? Why don't we put aside our drowning for just a little bit and look at somebody else and say, how, what can I do? What, what, what are you looking for? What do you need? And we don't know in that moment that we're looking for attention. So that's the wrong way to approach it, I think. But just to say, I want to listen to you, please speak. Yeah, because I find that when I'm drowning, the best thing I can do is go pull somebody else up because it gets me out of myself, out of my stuff. And um, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say that there's always somebody worse off than me, because that really sounds like a spiritual bypass. But the truth is, is that when I look at the pain that someone else is in, it usually is they're in more pain, because I have so many skills available to me, because I'm doing metaphysics for over 40 years. And so I have a lot of tools. And a lot of most people don't. So many people don't. And so it's like, okay, I can come up and pull myself out of the pool and sit on the edge and I can sit with you in the dark for 10 minutes. And what a gift that is. You know, there are a lot of people who are doing that who don't know that they're doing it. I was looking at the, um, um, I'm associated with a national organization that does a lot of animal rescue in dire circumstances. And so, yeah, we saw people who we know going into fires in the last few months to help bears and dogs and deer, you know, anybody who of an animal persuasion who needed medical help and people selflessly put on those yellow jackets and go do that. Yeah. And they're not necessarily thinking metaphysically, you know, who else the people who, um, group of doctors who were treating COVID patients in New York, and which is bad enough, hard enough, and all the people who they lost in that process. But then when that was over and it flared up in Detroit, a whole bunch of medical people from New York said, oh, you need me in Detroit? Sure, I'll go. Mm -hmm. I would want a nap at that point. I would want to decompress somehow from everything that I went through. But you know, they may not have been thinking metaphysically, but their purpose is to 
help, to do, to have empathy, to have compassion. And it's so built into them that they go and they don't really even think about it. That, those are the heroes. I mean, that's just amazing to me. I talk about empathy. I try to practice empathy. I preach empathy. But those people are living it in such a huge way. I just have so much respect for them. They are. And, and it is, it's that sense of purpose. And you might not frame it in, like I do in, in metaphysical terms, but it is that sense of purpose that, you know, is coming through, I would call it spirit, they would call it what whatever they would call it if they don't have have a spiritual connection but it's all the same bringing you know bringing that light into the world in the way that they they do it and you know it, it's it's like well maybe part of this empathy thing bringing it back to what's going to be happening in a couple of weeks it is just a couple of weeks isn't it uh, yeah well it is. yesterday yesterday was two weeks right um yeah is that perhaps having empathy for people who, who for whom things don't go the way they wanted, rather than saying, ha ha, I won. It's like, I'm, you know, I understand that this is painful and scary for you. Because a lot of people are scared. I remember four years ago, I went into a meeting at a place, and everybody in the room was, they were, I mean, they were, they were stunned. They couldn't believe what had happened. Um, you would have thought that their best friend, their dog, and like half of the other people had died. It was just the room was, you know, and so it was like, well, let's all talk about it. So everybody went around and I said something, well, I have to come from the point that only good can come from this because that's what, you know, we teach. And that didn't go over very well. And I thought about it for two days and I finally went to my boss and I said, you know, I've been in a different place than everybody. And here's the thing. I wasn't surprised. I saw it coming. And nobody else had. They were completely stunned. And so the place that I personally live in, I, I just knew. It, it just never occurred to me that it would go any other way. How it came down did surprise me, but that that it happened, I was that was what I was expecting. And it have wasn't my personal and it wasn't a personal thing. Be, pardon? Have you considered being a bookie for a living? Because really, if you <laughs> the minute I have things... to do it for money, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a it's a very good point that when you sense something like that, which you do, a lot of people do, when you sense something like that, the surprise is gone. Yeah. yeah. But what is that sensing? You know, it's 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 knowledge, it's knowing, it's an understanding on your part. But somebody who doesn't have that as a gift could still benefit from the concept just by saying, I'm open. I see that it could go either way. Maybe that's part, I said maybe so many times today, but maybe that's part of what we can do and give each other, that permission to be open and permission to see that it could go either way. Mm -hmm. We yeah. don't know. Nothing is a sure thing. <laughs> we sure found this out in 2020. There are no sure things. So maybe being right is a good, big part of the lesson. We're not, well, we don't you know, get I, to be right. I think that, that the, this whole COVID-19 experience has helped people see how little control we have over our lives. And it's frightened people. 
I mean, we can talk about how <clears throat> media and all the reports and all that stuff has scared people. And I think at a very core level, the losing, losing the ability to go to the grocery store if you wanted or to, to be able to just go do the very simple things that we do in our lives, that... Um, I mean, and I joke about the fact that, yeah, we have control in our lives, but we don't control our lives. We don't run the world. Um, and I think that's become very clear to people. And so now there's this other energy of, well, maybe I can control the election. Maybe I can control something in my life. And so you see this coming out in people. And I want to say to people, please take a breath. You know, on some level, we're going to be okay. We just don't know what, and, and, and this, this living in ambiguity is very, very hard for a lot of people. Yeah, I hear a lot of people saying that. We don't really have any more control over an election than we do over a coronavirus. We can do certain things that are proactive, we can do certain things that are reactive, we can protect ourselves, we can vote, we can try to encourage other people, but there are all those other millions of people who are involved too, and we can't control them, so ultimately we can't really control the result, which is why at least 49, 49 people, 49% of the country or fewer will be disappointed by whatever happens. We can't control the outcome, but we can control our behavior. We can respond instead of reacting. We can do that. I think of it like having a spiritual go bag. Because in the fires, we all have our go bags, right? I love this. Whenever, I, I love the spiritual go bag. I'm going to steal this near, from you. Yeah, whenever <laughs> we're anywhere near any kind of a disaster, we have the go bag. In fact, I've realized this fire season, looking through my go bags, I have three levels of go bags, and I hadn't really realized that before. I have the get the heck out of the house right now go bag, and I have the it's nearby, but you might have an hour to get some things in the car. And then there's the... It's very close by, but it's 75% contained. You're probably okay, go bag. So there are three different levels. And one is just the wallet and the cat and get out all the way up to my parents' wedding pictures. You know, it's, it's that whole process. So why not have a spiritual go bag for this election? From my guy one, and I'm not going to gloat because I understand that I need to have empathy for that other half to, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? But I think having that preparation now, putting something into your spiritual go bag that can get you through is a lot more comforting in the long run and a lot more productive than waking up the next day and saying, I never thought that could have happened. Well, think about it right now. It could happen. What will you do? The borders are closed. So you're not really leaving the country. So <laughs> what will you do? You know, it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, it's almost like reading a bad book. <laughs> you can't leave. The borders are closed, but you might not like who won the election. You're, what? It's like some sort of a, a, a horror A Stephen film. King. It's like a Stephen King. Yeah, it's like a Stephen <laughs> King novel. It really is. Oh, what a, what a perfect 
opportunity to prepare ourselves in a different way. That's what the pandemic is doing for me. That's what this election cycle is doing for me. I, I can't stand here and say, I know what to do. I have all the answers. Not at all. But it's, I have to calm the heck down. You know, I have to chill in a different way. I have to look at what all those possibilities are. I have to deal with those people who might vote differently than I do and still love each other. You know, I have to go through all of those things. What a perfect call to spirituality we're being given right now. Yeah, I we are and it's uh and we keep talking about that because I think it's it's such a, an unusual time, the opportunity to open up and welcome a kind of spirituality, whatever it is that you relate to. I mean, we're not just selling God here. We're talking right. about, you know, finding your, your inner, your real true inner self, which is remembering who you are and seeing that in other people. And it doesn't mean that you don't deal with the issues. It doesn't mean that you don't deal with your life, but it means that you walk out into the world in a consciousness of, of love and acceptance. And acceptance doesn't mean giving it up. It just means, okay, this is the way it is right now. Um, that word's kind of one of my bugaboos, because I always say I acknowledge it. I can't accept it, but I can acknowledge it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I acknowledge this for what it is right now and between my actions and just my consciousness because people don't understand that my consciousness might be a little grain of sand, but exactly which grain of sand can that beach do without? Yeah. Yeah. I keep thinking about the people in my family, the people who I went to high school or college with who are very much different than I am in, in a lot of different ways, politics included. And, you know, I do hear a lot of people say, well, I, I just won't have anything to do with those people anymore. Well, there are going to be times that I have to walk away from a conversation. There are going to be times where I have to say, we love each other for different reasons. This isn't one of them. So let's just put that away right now. Do you remember grandma's blueberry pie? You know, I mean, go to something different. Go to the reasons that you have in common, the things that you love in each other instead. And then eventually you'll find enough to be able to get through this and, and maybe never agree on certain things, but agree on a lot of other things and love each other through it somehow. You know, Donna, I don't think we can take this any farther. I think that was an absolutely beautiful synopsis of the whole thing. I love the, the just find what you love in each other and talk about that. That's beautiful. It's a good idea. Yeah, let's all do that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, hope to see you again um, in this uh, podcast pretty soon. Thank you so much for joining me today. And um, I wish you many, many blessings. Thank you for listening today. Discover Spirit Within is produced by Spiritual Life Center Sacramento. If you feel inspired and want to show your appreciation and support, please go to slcworld.org forward slash donate. And until we meet again, deep peace of the running wave to you, deep peace of the flowing air to you, deep peace of the quiet earth to you, deep peace of the shining stars to you, 
deep peace of the sons and daughters of peace to you. And may the joys of the world go with you.